0: All right. Well, I kind of gave uh, Matt a hard time in the first service for doing this as well. But I was like, "Man, like any cool introduction that I could have had, like you just stole it." Um, the the most exciting news that I could have just thrown out there from my weekend, Matt takes it. But anyway, um, if you guys haven't met me before, my name is uh, Nick Siringita. Oversee uh, the College Ministry Salt Company, and it has just been a joy to be able to see students come back in town. For how long, we're not sure, uh, but we are just enjoying the time uh, we're getting with those students to just help uh, those students learn what it looks like to have a relationship with God and learn uh, to just reach the campus of Mizzou. Uh, and so anyway, if you guys were here with us uh, a couple weeks ago, Stan Hayek, the lead pastor here at Anthem, preached on our vision. And, and the vision that we have in our community here is that over the next couple of years, we're going to help 1% of Columbia know, love, and obey Jesus more and more. And that is the heart in our church because we desire to see a community that just doesn't get it begin to understand what it looks like to follow after God. If you don't know 15% of Columbia, about 15% of Columbia, they gather at a church service on a Sunday morning. The rest of our population does not. And so we see that statistic and that breaks our heart and makes us want to be the sort of people who not only as individuals know love and obey Jesus more and more, but bring other people in to that as well. And so Stan preached on that a couple weeks ago. Matt last week preached on uh, just the, the heart in our church that we would make disciples who make disciples. We're not going to be able to follow through with that vision unless we as individuals are kind of feeling that weight of going out into our workplaces, going out into campus, wherever we might be, and making disciples that make disciples around us. And so there's that push to, to us as a church. You guys as individuals for us to learn to <clears throat> orient our life around the mission of Jesus. Because life's not about us. But it's about him and his story going forward. Um, but like Matt said, this week uh, we're going to be looking at the values of our church. And everybody has values in life. We have different things that that excite us, that define us, certain things that are really our lifeblood, our DNA, things that make us tick. And so even thinking about just me me growing up, one of the things that would have been a defining value that other people would say of Nick Serene growing up would have been cool things like Michael Jordan, garage sales, sports trading cards, and Goodwill runs. And so growing up, that's what I was passionate about, sadly enough. And a lot of those things are still true. Uh, but anyway, if anyone would have been talking about Nick Serene, they would have understood that like, oh, those are some things that he values. And because those were things that I valued, that's what I would make my choices based off of. And so I can think of one time in middle school where uh, I was really excited. There was this a student named Robbie Umfleet who was a couple grades ahead of me. And he had this trading card deal that that he was like, man, I got like 1,500 trading cards. Uh, Would love to sell them to you. I'm like, all right, well, what would a good price be? He's like, $60? And I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, think about all the Michael Jordans that are going to be in there. Think about all the different uh, John Elways that are going to be in there. And lo and behold, come to find out. I think he gave me like the worst 1,500 cards that exist. That was the first issue with the deal. And the, the second issue was, I did that deal behind my parents' back, and that same deal also led to a fight breaking out in the school and a couple students getting suspended because apparently when Robbie got the $60 from me, he then like waved it in front of this other guy's face, to which then he grabbed it, to which then Robbie threw a punch. And anyway, all that to say, we all have different things that we value. And from what we value, that kind of explains what we do with our life and with our time and our energy. And so this morning, what we're going to do, we're going to look in God's word and see what it has for us as a church community to value the things of God. Because we would hope that our church wouldn't be just about, you know, saying the nice things, making people just hear what they want to hear. We're not about just being far left, far right. We want to take that middle road of being a gospel-centered community that lets the heart of God define what this community is. And so 1 Thessalonians 5 is where we're going to be. I'm going to pray for us, and we'll begin to work through that together. Uh, God, uh, we just praise you for your word, Lord, uh, that we can let it instruct and guide and transform us through your spirit, God, in us. And, Lord, I, I would ask that we would value the things, Lord, that your word calls us to value. That we wouldn't just be about some movement of man. We wouldn't be about just what our sinful and selfish hearts might want, God. But that we would be a community of believers who would value the things of you. And so, Lord, I just pray over these next 20 minutes or so, God, that we would let your word carve our hearts to look more and more like you. In Jesus' good name, amen. Well, as you guys are turning to First Thessalonians 5, I'll just give you a little bit of the, the context of where we're jumping in uh, to. So basically, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the people of Thessalonica. And it was his job and his joy uh, to, to write a letter, to pen a letter to a newly developing church community in a place that had been full of polytheism and just serving other gods. This was a a young church that was receiving this letter and they were hearing from Paul what it would look like to be a community that just displayed the heart of God. Rather than displaying just some heartfelt message or what those people of Thessalonica were about, it was Paul's desire that he could instruct them to see what a healthy community, healthy leadership would look like in that time and in that place. And so let's begin reading 1 Thessalonians 5 starting in verse 11. Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you were doing. We ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And so the first observation I think we need to see happening in the text is that the the church was gathering. Paul's penning this letter, the the letters being read before this church. And we can learn right from the text that the church was a gathering place. Because Paul's having these commands to, to labor among yourselves, to be at peace among yourselves. And then we get to verse 26 and it's like, yeah, and also beyond that, greet one another with a holy kiss. And that was like different culture, different time. That's just kind of what they would do uh, in their time and in their place when they would show up to church. But all of that inferred that the church was gathering, that fellow believers weren't just trying to run lone wolf sort of lives, but they would come together and be with one another. And so that's the first thing that, that we need to notice there is that the people of God were gathering But they weren't just gathering to show up and just like, well, check this off my list. Show up to just fill out, you know, the form. Like, okay, well, yeah, I got connected and I'm here. And it it wasn't this thing out of just, oh, I feel like I need to do that. But they would gather and they would celebrate. And we can see that uh, in the language in verse uh, 16 and 17 where it's saying, Rejoice always. Give thanks with one another. And even in verse 11, where it says, encourage one another and build one another up, we can see there's this attitude and this heartbeat of celebration, this heartbeat of excitement. And so it wasn't just show up because you need to show up, but show up in order that you would celebrate with one another. And it wasn't just to celebrate for the sake of celebrating. Like last night, there was a little post-engagement thing that my family and Peyton's family were at, and we were celebrating. We celebrate things that we're excited about. But the church wasn't gathering to just celebrate just because. They were celebrating the good news of Jesus Christ doing transformational work in their community. Because again, they had been living in a space where people were seeking after many other gods. But the gospel had made its way to Thessalonica. The small church was growing And that's what they were celebrating. They were celebrating the work of Christ. Even like the first song that we did, Glorious Day. That song is all about the resurrection. And because the resurrection is a reality that Jesus came to earth to create a way for sinners to be made pure before God. We're going to celebrate with a song like that. They're going to celebrate then. Because Jesus did not stay dead but he was raised to life and because he was raised to life that meant that the people in the early church reading this could also be celebrating the good work of God because it was death to life in their world as individuals and as a church as well and so they would gather on Sunday mornings to celebrate not just something but celebrate the transforming work of God in their lives and so when we think about the first value of our church, we want to be a place that celebrates. We want to come together on a Sunday morning. We want to notice that God is working in Columbia. And we're going to celebrate that with one another. We're going to celebrate through baptism. We're going to have people come up on stage and share the story of God working in their life. From death to life. And we're going to celebrate that. In connection groups, people are going to be in one another's homes, celebrating the work of God. Like, life's hard, right? Like, we have a lot of things that, that happen that are frustrating that we don't expect, you know? And, and there's so many different things that happen at us and to us in life. that to have a community that you can rally around this mission of God, a community where, where you can celebrate the good news, even in, in times of trial, is an amazing thing. And to be able to rejoice with one another is an amazing thing. And so that's an aspect. When when we think about church, we want to have that programmed in our minds. Like, when we're at church, we are celebrating God doing work. And for us as a leadership team, like, we don't want to just do that here, but we want that to be in your homes too. When you're going down to the kitchen table in the morning, you're having that mindset where it's like, am I like, noticing God in my life? Am I celebrating the work that God has done in my life? Am I giving thanks? Am I rejoicing always? And it doesn't stop there. It's not just in your home and at church, at Connection Group. It's in your workplace. It's going to look different there, but are you going to celebrate the good news of Jesus there? And so that's the first call that Paul is laying before them. That's the first thing that we want to be about here at Anthem, that we would display the heart of God, the heart of God that celebrates the work of Jesus. The second value uh, that we can see in the text is that a healthy gathering church community also connects, and we can see that in verses 23 and 24. Let's read that together. Now, may the God of peace himself, so through the work of God, May he sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. There's the call on the church to connect with one another, and to connect with one another that there would be growth. May the God of peace that, that you celebrate, church in Thessalonica, may he sanctify or grow you completely. Not some partial thing, not some half-hearted thing, but would the Lord transform you, transform that community until the Lord returns. And so the gathering church uh, in Thessalonica was not just to celebrate the good news, but they were to connect with one another, and as they're connecting with one another, growing. Growing. For what? So that the church might be able to display to that community in Thessalonica the work of God. And what this meant for the Thessalonian people was that they'd be spending time with one another. There'd be this familial culture that would be developing. Like brother language happens a lot in 1 Thessalonians. Because there's that family identity that when someone is adopted into the family of God, that they would see one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And that they would connect with one another. They would spend time with each other. Spur one another on. And from that brotherhood, from that familial culture that develops in that church at that time, in that place, would be that people would be encouraged and respected and pushed and challenged. And that was God's desire, not just from the early church, but that was God's desire from the beginning. That His people, Israel, would be a light to other nations around them. That they would be able to display the work of God just so holistically in that community that other nations would say, wow, there is something different. The connection that those people have between one another, the connection that they have between themselves and God, and the way that they are celebrating, even when the Thessalonian people are in persecution, they're in the minority, they're able to celebrate, they're able to connect with one another. That's the sort of light and example that Paul was pushing the early church to have. And I think we can understand the logic of that, of of a unified thing, just being healthy and pushing people Because we have so many examples of that in our own worlds. Like If you were ever an athlete on a team, you've ever been married. If you have close friendships, you know what it feels like when you are just unified with that team in that marriage. And you're on the same page and you're just synced and you're thinking the same. You're running after that same mutual vision that you're both excited about. when you have the power of God behind you and that perspective, in some ways, there's just that feeling of, we got this. No matter what's going on, no matter what maybe this year would look like, we got this. And that's the sort of DNA that that Paul was hoping that the early church would be able to grab onto. And that they wouldn't be a people that would gather and just be discouraged and just gather and just leave right away. And just gather and kind of get a little convicted and let God do a little bit of work. But that they would let God just, through that community, transform individuals' lives over and over. And so that's what we want to be about here. We want to value the same things that that Paul was calling the Thessalonians to value. That we would connect with one another. That we spend time and energy to be in each other's lives. It's going to look different for, for each one of us. Like for me, a lot of times, getting time with people means we might go on a run. We might hang out in a coffee shop. We might go serve someone within the church. Build a little table for them or something. Like just out of the overflow of who you are, you connect with other people. And through that connection, as a follower of Christ, you begin to just develop that familial community where they begin to see, wow, like God is doing a work in that person's life, in this relationship, and within the church. And so we want to be a community that fosters that. That's why we have connection groups. That's why we come together on Sundays. That's why the guys that I'm discipling, I push them into the classroom. I push them into their work environments and say, just like, begin to love people. Begin to connect with other human beings. And through that, Share the love of Jesus and let them see what it looks like for God to do work in your life so that that might be something that they would desire as well. And the more we do that, no matter what season we might personally be in, whatever season we're in as a church, whatever season we're in as a culture, the more we do that, the more we can have hope and peace and purpose, even if it feels like On the outside, a lot of other things are crumbling. We have that unity with the Lord, and we have that unity with one another. And so we want to be a church that connects. The final value that we would want to have as a healthy church that we see in the text here is That we would also be people that contribute. And we'll see that in verses 14 and 15. Let's read that together. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another, and to everyone. That's within the church. That's outside of the church. Doing good to one another. And we see early church. It's not only gather to celebrate the good news, connect with one another, but that there would also be this generosity, this contribution to the church body. And we can see that in this first Thessalonian setting, that that his push for them is to contribute through playing motherly and fatherly roles in other people's lives. Where he's talking about admonishing the idol. It's talking about helping those who are faint-hearted, encouraging those who are weaker. And that should resonate with us because we've all had different seasons in our own lives where we've needed encouragement, and there's been a little bit healthier spot in that moment. They reach out, and they encourage us, and they challenge us, and they speak into our life. And we've experienced that, but then we've also been in spots maybe where your walk with the Lord, you've just been like in a really sweet spot, excited about the gospel. And you've been able to play that role in someone else's life. And so there's this push from Paul to have that sort of DNA as a church. That all the brothers, all the sisters, we see that in the last couple of verses of the text, all the brothers, all the sisters, that they would be admonishing, that they would be encouraging one another, that they would be contributing in that way. And what he didn't desire was that just the pastor would do that. What he didn't desire was that just the elders in the church would do that. That just, well, the connection group leaders, like that's what they exist for. Every believer within the church, whether it's someone who just gave their life to Christ the day before, someone that had been doing it for 60 some years, there's the call to contribute by mothering and fathering other people around us and that was Paul's plea that we can see in the text in 1st Thessalonians. We can look at 1st and 2nd Corinthians and see he's calling for a contribution financially that people would be willing to be open-handed with their finances realizing that it was God who provided them with that job that it was God who blessed them with the ability to live life and to be so open-handed with it that they would contribute financially. To the church, That they would contribute financially sometimes to just other people they see around them in needs. And that's the attitude. That's the culture in the church. That time, that place that Paul was desiring. That they would contribute in that way. In Galatians, he, he pushes the, the church there to carry one another's burdens. And all throughout the New Testament, when we're learning about the early church, we're seeing consistently over and over this call of the pastor, the call of the elders, the call of God to give back, to have a heart of generosity, to have the heart of God that is willing to contribute and give back. That's something that is so fun to see happen in our community. Like the reason why we're having so many college students on Thursday nights is not because there's four people on staff that are just kind of giving some of their time and energy. It's because under our SALT staff, we have 50 leaders, 50 college students who say, you know what, I want to make disciples that make disciples. And they feel that weight, and they go out and do that on Mizzou's campus. They're saying, you know what, that's my role. I see it in scripture, great commandment, great commission. I'm supposed to love God, I'm supposed to love people. And they're feeling the weight of that, and they're following through with it. And we want to be a community that's just known for doing that because when we look at God's word, that's what he calls us to do. Another way that I can think of contribution and just generosity happening in our church right now is that there's four people who have just played instrumental roles in helping worship stuff happen every given Sunday and Thursday. I am the, the worship director, but the amount of work that Kenya Gutwine Keaton Lysinger, Brant Gutwine, and Joe Dye have begun to carry over the last two months it has been a huge blessing. It frees up me to, to help lead out in Salt Company better. It gives them a spot where they can just give back to the church. They're not doing that for money because they're not getting money for that. They're doing that out of the overflow of their love for God, out of the overflow of their love for people, and wanting to see more and more of their community know, love, and obey Jesus. And so contribution has just been overflowing in their lives. And a really cool thing with that too, it's contagious. Because people start to come under their wing. Like, oh, how can I help out with this? How can I help out with that? And we want that to be just a present reality in our hearts as followers of Jesus, that we'd celebrate the good news of him in our life, that we connect with one another, but also that we wouldn't stop there, that we'd contribute. We're going to serve. We're going to give financially. And we're just going to have the heart of God in our community where we are full of compassion and love for other people. And putting that on display is part of our lifestyle, part of our DNA. And I think a lot of us, grew up in settings where the idea of celebrating the gospel, the idea of connecting in deep relationship with one another, the idea of contributing to the church in some way, shape, or form feels a little bit of foreign. It just it feels foreign to us. Maybe you came from a setting where the, the pastor was a little bit more of a, a one-man show Maybe a lot of the weight was just on his shoulders, and it wasn't shared as much. Maybe you came from a setting where you just you, you didn't grow up in a church and so no no matter where you're at this morning, I want to just help you see that that number one, God can do a transforming work in our lives, and we can celebrate that, but also that he can create community where people just put his love on display to the world around them and so i don't know where you're at this morning maybe you're in a spot where where the move for you is like i i can't think about celebrating the gospel because i'm i'm not in relationship with jesus and and the the move for you this morning would would be to consider what am i living for what am I doing with that feeling of sin and shame that I have in my heart when I say or do something that I know I shouldn't? What do I feel or think about what happens when people pass away? We look at God's word. We see that he has provided a way for us to deal with our sin problem. For us to deal with that fear and death. And so for some of you, that's, that's maybe where you're at. Beginning a relationship With God through relationship with Jesus. Others, it might be, hey, yeah, I'm I'm gathering on Sundays. I'm enjoying the worship. I'm enjoying the, the preaching. But I'm not really connected. Maybe a step for you is just beginning to have conversation with people around you. Beginning to jump into a connection group throughout the week for Salt Company or for community side. Or maybe you're in a spot where it's like, man, I'm, do- I'm doing those things. But with your time, with your talent, with your treasure, you're a little bit more possessive than maybe you'd like to admit. And, and maybe the move for you would be to step out in faith, give more time, give more talent, give more treasure, so that the movement of God could continue in our community. No matter where we're at, we serve a God that forgives and we can celebrate that he can transform any darkness within us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just praise you, God, for your word. We praise you for doing a work in this place, Lord, that you have begun to just transform lives. As people have began to have relationship with you, Lord lives have begun to be changed, and God, we want to just display your heart, Lord, that we would value what you value, Lord, that we would want to celebrate the good work of you, that we would want to connect with other people, God, that we would want to contribute, that we would want to play a part in your mission, God, and not be people who are about ourselves, Lord, but that we would be people who are about you, the things of you, and the mission of you, first, fully, and forever, God.